Trojan fans. It's time for another installment of the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast. We give you the inside scoop on everything about USC football recruiting from the experts who know what they're talking about. Which players have an offer, which ones don't, who the coaches like, and who our experts like. And now, here are your co-hosts for the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher Ryan Abraham and uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez. Hello to Roger fans. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Peristyle Podcast. This is a really special version of the Peristyle Podcast. We are calling it the Turned Up SC Recruiting Podcast, bringing back the fan favorite, uscfootball.com. Again, national recruiting analyst, Gerard Martinez is back on the team. We're doing the podcast again. What's up, Gerard? How you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, Turns up Thursdays are no more. Not in the way that they were the past few weeks. So we're going to turn it up, but we're going to turn it up in your speakers on your computer with uh, a little podcast action. Turned it up podcast. Now, is this turned up like the the more street language or is it the the usc coaching language turned up like what is the what are we doing here well see Lindsay and i were going with the uh the the, the more hip cool turned up uh way that you know it's it's you know hip-hop and so we had the turned up thursday which was kind of our version of the war room um but i think with this we're going to go turned up which is actually you know, it's uh, more, uh, you know, spelled more properly uh, as the USC coaches like to use on the uh, on, on the Twitter, as, uh, as the old folks say, on, on the tweet deck. Nice. All right. So turned up SC recruiting podcast. We are going to go back to our Friday war rooms like we had at USCfootball.com over the last, oh, I don't know, 13 years. So we're going back to that. Uh, so Gerard and, and his team did a great job with the, the Turned Up Thursdays. So we're going to move that to War Rooms on Fridays like we used to have. And we're always open to uh, comments and suggestions. My email is ryan at uscfootball.com. You can tweet me at Inside Troy. You can cheat, tweet Gerard at GMart Live. So we're going to do War Rooms on Friday. We're going to do we're going to try to do as many as we can. Turned Up SC Recruiting Podcast on Thursday. Getting a lot of information there. And we have a ton of of questions to get to, Gerard. There's a lot of people excited about getting this podcast back together. Nice, nice. I know we have a two-page thread going on the message board, so let's get on it. Yeah, so there's a, we got some questions that were emailed in. We got some t- uh, questions that were tweeted to us, and we have a bunch of questions on the message board, some new names and stuff, uh, so it's great to see. So we're going to try to get to all of them. Uh, let's start off with Jim. He wants to know, because I know stars don't necessarily mean a player is going to succeed, but what is up with all these three-star commits? Do you think USC is offering players like Tristan Payton with that rating because they have more scholarships, or are these players pretty good as far as your evaluation goes? Please enlighten me. That's from Jim. Well, I think this staff really has a plan for what they want, for a system, uh, for the philosophy. Um, I think that they feel like they want a certain type of player and coming from Washington, obviously, they weren't getting a lot of five stars. They weren't necessarily getting a full class of four stars. So they feel like they can go out and they can find guys from an evaluation standpoint that fit their system, which I think is a good thing. I think at the end of Pete Carroll's reign at USC, they got a little too enamored with five stars. There was a little bit too many egos in the locker room. 
Uh, you start to stack guys on top of guys that all want to play as true freshmen. You got to find some role players in among your star players. You kind of have to pepper those guys in uh, among guys that are really going to just do their job and fit a certain role and are low maintenance. You know, not guys that you have to always kind of pad their ego and make sure that uh, you know they're feeling great about themselves all the time and uh, not necessarily being good teammates. So when it comes to you know four star, five stars, three stars, I think you have to have a class that's much like a team within a team. You have to build that class with various personalities that all fit together and gel, then gel within a greater team, which obviously that uh, you know will be 85-man roster You know, maybe in the next couple of years when USD is able to get their scholarship numbers back up to normal. Uh, but you have to find those guys. So I think with some of these three-star guys and some of these four-star guys uh, that may not be you know nationally ranked guys or guys that have you know offers from Alabama and Florida and everywhere uh, you know outside of the Pac-12 region, I think it's really just more USC being comfortable with the fit of those players and liking those players. All right, thanks for that one, Jim. Good stuff there. Let's jump to uh, let's go to one of the uh, Twitter questions. This is from. JP Trojan fan, he tweeted us. He says, how many defensive linemen will USC take in 2015? Currently, defensive line is mostly juniors, and USC needs to load up on the defensive line. Yeah, I think right now, I mean, you're looking at probably a solid four. Uh, They have Jacob Daniel already committed, uh, 6'5", 300, and probably 15, almost 20-pound defensive tackle who plays some nose guard in, in high school. Uh, there's been some debate as to whether he will play that position in college or whether he would play uh, more of an end position, um, but still a guy that's going to be an interior defensive lineman for USC running a three-man front. Uh, there's Noah Jefferson, who's, again, kind of going back to the last question, a guy that's not rated very highly uh, by really any publication. I mean, he's a three-star recruit kind of across the board. I've seen him play in person. Noah Jefferson is as athletic and as physically gifted as just about any defensive lineman I've seen in the past probably five, six years. In terms of pure skill and athletic ability, he's pretty amazing. I mean, he's up there with guys like Ellis McCarthy and guys like Vanderdose, um, you know, guys that USC has missed out on in the past. So that's a guy that's going to probably come in probably play defensive end. He's going to be one of those four-eye techniques, which is what USC is running right now, four-eye being a four-technique with inside shade responsibility and being a guy that I think is a real gem. And, and really the reason why he's not a five-star, four-star guy, because I would say based on just physical ability, I think he's a guy that's right in that mm, 200 range, maybe even closer to 150 range in terms of national ranking. Uh, it's really great. Uh, he's got to get his grades straight. You know, that's really why he doesn't have a ton of scholarship offers. It's kind of ASU and I think Oregon State and I think USC right now that's offered him scholarships. So that's a guy that's a great talent, but not necessarily ranked really high, but definitely a tremendous get for USC. Rasheem Green is the national guy. That's the five-star guy that USC has, uh, you know, locked in on the radar. A lot of people feel like, you know, he's heavy leaning to USC right now. UCLA's still there. Stanford is still there. Seems like he'll probably stay in the Pac-12, and it'll be between those three schools with USC really having a commanding lead. And then I think what they'd like to do is get a JC defensive end, defensive tackle. I think they'd like to bring in a guy – 
that could come in right away and fill the shoes of Leonard Williams, who I think we all presume is going to leave early. So I think that's the guy, that's really the name and kind of the, the, the open-ended who's that guy going to be. Uh, they've offered a few different players from you know the, the, the junior college ranks. Uh, Marquavius Lewis is a guy that they offered uh, from Hutchinson, Kansas, plays out there in the Jayhawk League and the Juco League uh, in Kansas but probably going to the other USC, going to University of Southern, uh, South, Cal- South Carolina, excuse me, uh, not going to USC. Um, you know, they did offer DJ Jones. DJ Jones didn't have a scholarship offer for a while. He's from Mississippi. They did just offer him a scholarship over the summer. Uh, he's a guy that's about 6'2", 310 pounds, probably a little more of a nose uh, than the defensive end in USC scheme. He did take an unofficial visit out to USC, but then remarking after that unofficial visit, yeah, I mean, USC is really far away, and that's a really big city because he's from Mississippi. So um, <laughs> you we're going to have to see how that kind of goes with the JUCO uh, names and the targets that are available. But my hunch is that USC would really like to bring in a guy with a little more physical maturity to be able to step in right away, kind of like we've seen with Claude Palin. All right, yeah, he's definitely stepped in. He's been a man-child out there on the practice field, especially with uh, Williams and, and Woods out for a while. He's stepped in there and played really well. So, uh Cool stuff there. Um, let's go to the message board on the Peristyle. Uh, kind of a similar question. It's uh, Biggie BC and P. Pauly. Um, Biggie BC wrote about the – for players that are trying to wait, they're going to wait until signing day to announce their decision. Do you think the coaches are going to ask for silent commitments so you don't uh, get left short for the 24 spots? And, and P. Pauly kind of along the same lines. Since there's only eight rides left, do you feel like that USC should hold out for those top targets or take a number two guy now just to be safe? That's an interesting question. One, I think silent commitments don't really mean a whole lot. So even though you probably feel good with guys like Imam Marshall and some other players, you know, Rasheem Green just talked about, I don't really think that you necessarily can put a ton into the silent commitments. It's really more action speak louder than words. And as it comes into December, January, you know, those players kind of talking about not taking official visits to USC. Imam Marshall just actually listed his five official visits, or really his four, and he's kind of deciding between Oklahoma and Texas as his last official visit. So he won't take an official visit to USC or UCLA and in the local schools. But we've heard that before. I mean, we've heard that with Juju Smith. There's a few players locally that, you know, I'm taking all my visits out of state. And then when push comes to shove, they realize how important taking an official visit is and how much more you may see from a school from an official visit standpoint. And obviously the coaches at USC want to bring these kids in on official visits. They want to have that time with them. And so, you know, that changes sometimes at the last minute. You get in the late January and all of a sudden that, well, I'm going to take a Texas or Oklahoma official visit becomes, well, I think I want to take a USC or UCLA visit because those schools become maybe, uh, you know, more, more serious, more serious contenders, and there's more of a reason to go and take those visits after they've kind of seen what the official visit process is like. So I think actions speak louder than words. I don't think you jump on a number two this early I mean, it, obviously you're talking about a number two at what position. I mean, if you're talking about a number two and you've got a Mom Marshall sitting there, no, you're going to wait until Marshall makes his decision later. John Houston makes his decision. Rasheem Green makes his decision. There's a core group of guys there that, again, actually speak louder on words. They've been to USC. Uh, they, they talk the talk of guys that really are serious about USC, and I think that you kind of have to 
wait and see what they do. And all of them really look like they're going to be announcing in January, if not signing day. All right. Thanks for those guys on the from the Peristyle. We've got a bunch more from the Peristyle, actually. But we'll go back to email. Giovanni, I have a question this week regarding recruiting. What are SC's real chances, and Gerard loves what are the chances, uh, of landing <laughs> Christian Kirk this upcoming year? He's the wide receiver from four-star wide well, I think, yeah, four-star wide receiver from Arizona. Does having three wide receiver commits in this class affect Kurt's uh, choice of school next year? Don't forget he's being highly recorded by Texas A&M and by Josh Rosen, the future quarterback at UCLA. That's from Giovanni. Giovanni, I think uh, the chances are uh, better than okay. How about that? How, can I be more vague? Yeah, um, no, that's good. I like, <laughs> better than okay is awesome. I think it's one of those things that with uh, with Christian Kurt, the interesting you know variable here is Biggie Marshall, uh, the five star cornerback from Long Beach Poly. I kind of touched on him in the last question a little bit. Uh, they're really close and. There's a chance they end up at the same school. Not a package deal. We talked with them, you know, at the opening about that, and you know, they kind of admitted, "Listen, we're gonna we're gonna have to, you know, go different ways and look at different schools." What I find, uh, you know, sort of interesting is that uh, you know, Marshall doesn't look like is gonna end up taking uh, an official visit to Texas A&M. Um, that's so that's kind of sort of interesting that now uh, you've got a guy that. Uh, is real close with you know uh, Christian Kurt, and they've kind of talked about uh, going to the same school together. And everybody knows, you know, that uh, obviously Christian Kurt with with you know Texas A&M, and and uh, he's really close with uh, Kyle Allen. You know, that's a big player for him. So how does that sort of play out? Does that mean that you know those guys are not going to go to the same school for sure now? Uh, has there been kind of you know a, a little bit of divergence there in terms of their opinion of schools? I think that Christian Kurt still looks at USC. I think he definitely takes a, an official visit to USC. Um, in fact, I think he's in the process of scheduling that official visit to USC. So I kind of look at those things, kind of line up. I say, you know, USC is not completely out of this. Not the way a lot of people wanted to write them off. I think in May, you know, April, a lot of people are saying he's going to Texas A&M. And then, you know, USC is probably fourth behind Ohio State. And maybe, uh, you know, there was another school in there um, that I think he was looking at. Uh, like Notre Dame or somebody, and, and USC really wasn't among those those schools. But then all of a sudden, you know, come to coming through, and he's you know hanging out with Biggie, and he's going to the opening and everything. All of a sudden, USC started to creep up on that list, and he started to talk about USC with Ohio State and with Texas A&M. And when I spoke to him, he really kind of talked about USC and Texas A&M being kind of above the cut with everybody else kind of being, you know, behind and trying to get an official visit scheduled. So I would say the, the chances right now are good. They're not great. I don't say USC is the leader, I, but I think that USC definitely – uh, has a spot open for him, and I think he's very intrigued to see what happens with USC and specifically Adoree Jackson, who's playing both ways. I think that Adoree Jackson position on offense is kind of where Christian Kurt fits in. So he wants to know if he can play early, he's going to play maybe where that, that slot spot where Christian Kurt, or excuse me, where the Dory Jackson is playing right now. So I think that's definitely going to be maybe a factor in his decision. If the Dory Jackson ends up playing more defense and ends up being kind of a starting corner or at least a guy that's in the starting nickel rotation, then I think Christian Kurt starts to go, well, man, I could get in there and play that offensive position and be the starter there on offense. And he's a guy that I think with USC, he can play a little bit of running back kind 
kind of like a Dory Jackson is playing a little bit of running back with USC. Christian Kirk doesn't want to play running back in college, but I think with the right system, uh, he could be kind of a DeAnthony Thomas type. So, um, you know, in summation, yeah, I think USC has a chance, uh, a better than average chance. All right. Yeah, he's been a special player. We get to watch him at the opening. He was catching all tons, tons of passes. Great kid. And uh, was playing with, uh, you know, a bunch of different good quarterbacks that are trying to recruit, you know, talking with different quarterbacks. Everyone was trying to recruit him up there at the opening. So it'll be interesting to see. We'll actually have some highlights from him coming up uh, on the site, too. So you can check him out. We'll put it up on uscfootball.com. All right, let's go to Taylor Davey, who's a Trojan in Tennessee. My wife is from Tennessee, so she will appreciate that. I'm going to start with a side question first. Uh, He said, will uscfootball.com TV ever be live-streamed again? That used to be one of my favorite features before it fell by the wayside. Thanks for the hard work, as always, Uh, Taylor Davey. Um, So, yeah, I think we're going to try to do that again. It just was such a pain to get all that equipment down and and set things up. So we're going to try to do some more kind of a studio thing, or it might not be live. Uh, I was actually talking with Lindsay Theory about that, too. We still might have her involved and do stuff. You know, she's been on uh, the Scout USC site for the last couple years, so... There's stuff like that kind of in the works. This transition's been a whirlwind for all of us, so it's, uh, it's a little crazy right now, but we certainly have thoughts of doing that again and uh, looking into different options and stuff with Ustream and maybe just on YouTube and, and all that kind of stuff. Joe, you like the, the live show, right? Live show was good. Uh, like you said, it was a little bit of uh, it's live, um, yeah. first and foremost, <laughs> which makes things like you know overpasses catching on fire on the 60 freeway a bit of an inconvenience. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That was that was <laughs> that was one of the rougher ones we had. Uh, let's go to his main part. He said, first off, welcome to Scout. Thank you very much. Uh, been a long time subscriber to USCFootball.com, eagerly anticipating the product your cast and crew can bring us. With the proven value that Scout.com national and recruiting writers bring. Well, that's nice. I didn't even uh, prompt them to say that. So very nice. Uh, thanks for that, Taylor. Um, it's question for GM to tight end recruiting. And we actually had a few other tight end questions too, Gerard. I'm going to kind of lump them all together. I'll read them all to you, and then we can kind of let you go off on the tight ends. He said, with USC losing out on uh, Tyler uh, Petit, do you see the staff looking more at modern day's tight end uh, Kyle Pennison, uh, Penniston, him being a commit to Wisconsin would be something to overcome, but I think modern day is a Trojan feeder school. Uh, so that was his question about uh, Penniston. And Bearsecutor wanted to know, are there any tight ends still being discussed, uh, chased by the staff? Anything on Wheatley? And OHO Gain wanted to know about Noah Evans, a tight end. And SCI on is Matt Morin, Chris French, or any other JC tight end prospect a candidate for early enrollment? So I don't know. We've got a lot of stuff in the tight end there. I thought you could kind of give your thoughts on tight ends. And if you need me to repeat one of those, I'll, I'll do that for you. Yeah, holy crap. There's like a ton of names there. Um, <laughs> where do I start? I, I think, first of all, kind of narrowing it down to what USC is doing right now, um, they have, you know, looked through the JC ranks and have, have you know, kind of went through – um, some different names. It, again, it's always a bit difficult to try to get guys qualified. You want to bring guys in that uh, can first and foremost get in in mid-year. And so that right now, specifically with Matt Warren, 
who uh, was actually a quarterback uh, at San Diego State, transferred from San Diego State to RCC, and has now become, you know, really a, a Juco All-American tight end. A little shorter, kind of a little more of an H-back type guy, like 6'3", 245, uh, but was really good at the Juco camp USC held this past year. So uh, that's you know, a name that's definitely popped up a few times, but whether they can get him in, you know, that's always going to be the challenge with Juco's. Obviously, with Tyler Petit, that's a possibility still, you know, going to Duke, committed to Duke over USC. It's a long season. I don't think USC is necessarily just going to give up on Tyler Petit and say, well, you know, those Duke Blue Devils are just impossible to beat across the country, not seeing what kind of season USC is going to have, <laughs> Duke's going to have. A lot can really play out as far as the tight end position. Um, but, you know, they're kind of shy on names. There's really not a ton of guys out there that uh, are, are, you know, big-time prospects uh, that uh, that USC's on. And, and really, quite frankly, the tight end position just in general in the 2015 class is pretty shallow in terms of talent. So that makes it also very tough. But, yeah, there's not a ton of names right now. Noah Evans was a guy that, you know, popped up there in, in among those questions. Uh, a, a pretty solid player, you know, a guy that's a tad undersized maybe, uh, but I don't think he will be. I think, you know, he's about 215, 220 right now, but I think he is a guy that can easily be 235 probably, you know, going into college. College. Uh, a, a fairly agile guy, not a you know spectacular receiver, spectacular blocker, uh, you know amazing either way, but still a developing talent uh, at a Woodier at about you know I, I'd say he's about six three probably you know like I say about two twenty, um, so not necessarily you know the big pro style tight end, but then again. You know, you look at USC system in the future and, you know, maybe using a little more receivers. They want to keep that pro personnel. Um, and obviously they've done, you know, a lot of really good things in fall camp with Bryce Dixon. So I don't see them getting too far away from it. But I also don't know that they need or want quite as much depth as they've had in the past at USC. You know, USC probably always aimed to have about five, six um, good scholarship tight ends on the roster. Now I think USC is probably more like, okay, if we've got three or four guys, we're probably okay because we're going to have more, you know, three and four wide receiver sets. So I think that's also something to keep in mind talking about the tight end recruiting. All right. So sorry to lump all those kind of in there together, but I thought that was, uh, I mean, we want hopefully to kind of... I got everything in one foul swoop. I, I think mean... so. Yeah. That's what I felt. You don't want to have to like do it like a whole bunch over and over again. Um, okay. Dubs from the, from the peristyle again, Dubs four eight seven. Is USC still looking to bring in another offensive lineman? If so, will they likely target a tackle? And who are the potential candidates for that slot? Um, you know, that's a, that's another good question, and that came up obviously after the recent commitment of Cole Smith, six three two hundred fifty five pound center prospect from Mission Viejo, USC's last commitment. I think uh, there are. I think there is some potential for them to bring in another offensive tackle, and I think it would probably be a guy that could play offensive tackle because that's really depth-wise where USC is hurting right now. They don't have a lot of guys on the roster who are true tackles, and coming into this class recruiting, they were looking a lot at true tackles. I think Cole Smith was something that developed in watching Lobendon, uh, Yanni Talamavo, um, you know, maybe even Max Turek converting those guys from tackle or guard and playing center, they saw some things where they're like, you know what, we need to get a center. We need a guy that plays center 
and wants to play center and no center just out of high school. Now, me personally, I look at Tolan Lobanon. I see that guy as a prototypical NFL center. I think he can and will play center and will be very, very good at center. But kind of the guys in back of him and around him, the third team center right now is Giovanni DiPaolo. And so, we, you know, we've seen – uh, you know, Vianney go and play that position. Now he's not playing that position as much. Uh, we've seen, you know, uh, Khalil Rogers last spring was playing that position. Now he's not playing that position at all. So we've seen kind of some guys rotate, get their chances at center, and they've kind of come in and then they've moved back over to guard. So I, I see the reason why they go after Cole Smith in that particular instance. But I think with this next spot, it's going to be a tackle. The guy that jumps out the most probably is Darren Paulo, uh, 6'6" the 325-pound offensive tackle from Sacramento Grant High School. Uh, right now it's really between Washington State and USC. USC has offered him. He's kind of a mystery in terms of how good he really is. Um, you know, Grant produces a lot of really physical football players, but we saw him uh, at two different camps, and he really didn't do anything. You know, and that kind of makes you wonder, I mean, was he hurt? He had his knee braces on. He looked like he was ready to go. Physically, just off the hoof, he is one of the most impressive players you will see. I mean, he's legitimately 6'6", 320, carries it extremely well. Reminds me a lot of Freddie Tagalago, who was a guy that played up uh, up north and went to Cal, and I think just transferred out to another school, and I'm forgetting where he transferred to, but uh, Freddie Tagaloa, actually not Tagaloa, Tagaloa uh, was one of the guys that, man, you just saw off the hoof and was like, holy crap, who's this guy? He's like 6'7", and he's like, you know, two, two, like 300 pounds, and, and he just didn't look it. You know, he looked like a, uh, like he was 280. And so I, I think with Darren Powell, kind of sort of that same thing initially when you see him, um, but that would be the guy that would jump off uh, you know, your list right away. Um, they were, you know, messing around with some other guys like a Henry Roberts, uh, 6'6", 255 pound offensive tackle from Bellevue. But a lot of people think he's going to go to Washington, but that's another guy that USC would definitely take as an offensive tackle. I don't think it has to be necessarily an elite guy. Going back to the first question of the podcast, I think USC has some guys they like and they just like them, you know, whether they're four or five star guys, they like those guys, they've evaluated those guys, and they're going to put you know, their value in their evaluations. All right, thanks for that one. Let's see. We've got man, so many of these to get to. Uh, this is a real quick one. SC Maid wants to know, where are we with ESB? So he's talking about Equinamia St. Brown. You know, I think USC is running third. I think Stanford's there. I think Notre Dame's there. I think USC comes and goes with him a little bit. Um, and I think they have the potential to still get him. The question in my mind, and again, it comes back to some of the, uh, you know, where does USC kind of fit with their numbers? You know, Christian Kurt was mentioned, you know, where does Christian Kurt come in? I think with Equinemia St. Brown, he's just kind of a little bit of an enigma as to, you know, what kind of player is he going to be and where does he fit? Daquan Hampton, who I spoke to not too just you know recently, and actually had another really good source who's very close with Daquan Hampton. We had a conversation about him. He is almost adamant that he is not going to play receiver. He really does. Or excuse me, he doesn't want to play tight end. He wants to play receiver. And so you know you got a guy that's you know a good six four, two hundred twenty, two hundred twenty five pounds. When you look at him, you immediately think that's a guy that could probably play tight end. But he's pretty adamant. I want to play receiver. I'm going to be a receiver. So when you bring Equinemius in, you wonder if that ruffles some feathers. Um, the other thing with Equinemius is, man, I watched him at practice just the other week. 
and watch them closely, you very much get that Patrick Turner vibe. You know, and, and Patrick Turner, a guy who played in the NFL, so certainly wasn't a bad player for USC, but a guy you kind of always watched and said, you know, he's, he's 6'5", but you just don't see him playing 6'5 sometimes. The presence not there. You kind of want to see him play bigger and be more physical. And sometimes Equinemius can kind of disappear certain events, certain games. And so that's kind of a little bit of a question in my own mind in terms of evaluation. When push comes to shove, and if he doesn't want to commit early to USC and it comes down to it and all of a sudden numbers start to dwindle because you have other guys at other positions committing – is there a ride still there? So I, I kind of think, you know, the way it's been hot and cold with him over, you know, the past, goodness gracious, almost six months now with USC and even UCLA, I just wonder if, if, if he ends up being there. So, I mean, right now as we speak, USC's in it. You know, Stanford's there. Mom wants Stanford. Dad wants USC. Notre Dame is kind of sort of maybe a compromise between the two. Uh, we'll kind of see how it goes, but USC's in it. But I just wonder the longer it goes – if things just don't start to sort of, uh, you know, uh, kind of weed themselves out, so to speak, and, you know, Equinemius just ends up going somewhere else. All right. Uh, let's see. So we have uh, Melvin. Actually, someone asked about Melvin on the, the peristyle, and he, he usually writes in some questions. So here I'll, I'll go with him. He says, with the verbal commitments from quarterback Ricky Town and Sam Darnold for 2015 and a possible verbal from K.J. Costello in 2016, where is Coach Sark going with the stockpiling of quarterbacks? Does he figure uh, Kessler and Brown might go pro as soon as possible? Jalen Green, is, is Jalen Green not the man for the job? Uh, so he, Melvin wants to know what's going on with the quarterback recruiting. Well, with 2016, as of now, and, and really, you know, Greg Biggins is really plugged in with this uh, national recruiting analyst for Scout, a guy that, you know, has, has been doing this for a long time, and specifically with the West Coast is you know, really good connections and, and kind of talked about this in some of our turned up Thursday reports. Uh, it kind of seems like it's really Costello and Shea Patterson who are the two guys that are really standing out in that 2016 class. It seems to be more of an either or because while Costello might be a guy that would commit early to USC, it seems like USC may be a little higher on Shea Patterson, a little more mobile guy, um, a guy that they kind of, I think, just think fits their offense a little bit better down the line. Um, now, in terms of the overall recruiting, because you're taking two in 2015, and then you got one in 2016, I think it's just kind of bracing for some transfers. I, I, I do agree that you're sort of kind of looking at the two in the 2015 class and thinking, okay, so you've got, you know, <laughs> Cody Kessler, Max Brown, and Jalen, you know, all on the, the, the roster right now. I don't think Cody Kessler leaves early. I think that's more of a stretch. Um, I think just physically he's not necessarily that guy that's going to be a first-day guy. I think he kind of has to grow on somebody in camp, um, and, and there has to be some intangibles that you really like on him, about him you know, to draft him or to even sign him as a free agent, and then maybe he gets on with the team and kind of you know, develops and, and, and makes, a, makes a name for himself. That's just sort of how I see it right now. He could have a spectacular season this year and you know, totally change my opinion, but that's kind of how I see it right now. So I, I, I don't see him going. Max Brown really hasn't said anything about going or transferring. Obviously, 
there's that, always that possibility, but you just don't see it. And then you got Jalen Green, obviously, who's the dual threat quarterback. And with Ricky Town, another pro style quarterback, and then Sam Darnold, a little more of an athlete, but sort of, you know, a guy that you would think it'd be, you know, a little more of a pro style. So somewhere in there, there's got to be a transfer. Somewhere in there, somebody's not. That's that's what USC is anticipating, and they want four guys on the roster. Now, 2016, that's one guy they want to bring a guy in probably every class, and I think right now Shape Patterson is sort of the guy, but they're kind of see how it shakes out. Costello's obviously there too, so that's sort of how it's like four on the roster. Then when Cody Kessler leaves, you bring in 2016, and that's kind of sort of where they want to be. So yeah, there's going to be somewhere a transfer here, and that's just being anticipated by the staff. All right. Uh, Speedy Loco kind of had that same question on the peristyle. So, uh, sorry. So, Speedy, just want to let you know that's what Gerard said about the quarterback situation. Let's go to Trojan 53. Just wondering if the coaching staff feels they still have a shot with uh, Dominic Davis, despite his misgivings of having to play at the running back position. Would Sark consider offering him a shot at a slot back wide receiver? Thanks. Yeah, I think so. I, I think they're still going to recruit him. I think there's, again, it's still a season to be played. Uh, there's still an offense to be sold by Steve Sarkeesian. Um, you, you feel like the offense should do well this year. I, I think just in terms of play calling and in terms of the system, they seem to have a, a, a better plan and even a, a better plan B and C in place going into the year offensively. I think that was always a criticism of Lane Kiffin. He kind of sort of was like his game plan was really about get Marquise Lee the ball or get my star player the ball and try to get as many stats for him as possible. And if he has great stats, then our offense will do well. And that was kind of sort of always the rationale, even after losses. Well, Matt Barkley broke, you know, Pac-12 passing record. Yeah, but you lost to Arizona. Yeah, but he, I mean, not many people could say that, you know, we had 200-yard receivers and a, a guy that ran for 100 yards and we still lost the game. And it's like the coach the stats don't mean anything if you've got a loss on the board. And so I think with Sarkeesian, there's a little more of a system in place as to, okay, if you're going to take away this, we have this. If you take away that, we're going to do this. And so I, I think you get the feeling like the coaches are confident with the system. They're confident that they're going to be able to showcase the system to recruits. And I think with a guy like Dominic Davis, that's where you know you, you could sell him more on playing running back in that system as opposed to maybe being a slot receiver at Washington State. It's all long year. So do I think you USC still goes after him, yes. Do I think they still have a chance at him? Yes. All right. Uh, wow, we're uh, we're getting through a lot of questions, but we still <laughs> we still have a lot to get to, so we'll try to get through them all. Apologize if we don't get to all of them. Let's go to that Fulio. Uh, he wants to know about Peter Gustin as a middle linebacker. Are they recruiting Peter? Gustin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Porter Gustin. Port- yeah, sorry. Porter Gustin. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Porter Gustin is a middle linebacker. Got to see him up at the opening too. He was one of the uh, top ten finishers for the uh the spark training so that was pretty cool to watch him do that um if he went about middle linebacker and if so will that affect cam smith's commitment seeing how john houston is being told by the coaches that if he goes to sc he'll start out as outside linebacker would have been, but would eventually move inside once he bulks up what do you think about porter gustin we saw porter gustin play mike linebacker at the opening in the seven on seven tournament and he looked okay he, he looked okay. I actually think Cam Smith ended up probably having a better terminate uh, than, than, than Gustin did, um, just because I think, you know, he obviously been playing the position a lot longer. Um, but we always talk about Cam Smith, you know, not being, kind of being out of his element in those seven-on tournaments. 
And at the opening, he actually played really well. I mean, he made some good plays. He, uh, uh, I mean, I know there was one play that uh, you were talking about where um, they actually can have draw plays every series, and he snuffed out the draw play for a tackle for loss, which is kind of a, an amazing thing in a <laughs> seven-odd tournament to have a tackle for loss, and Cam Smith actually had one of those. So um, do I think that Cam is threatened by other recruits or, or recruiting over that Mike linebacker position? No, not really. I mean, he's pretty much sold on you. USC is going to enroll early, not taking any more official visits. Uh, I spoke to him actually just recently about uh, the recruiting process and whether it was going to continue on for him. He'd just taken an unofficial visit to USC actually for, you know, the weekend and checked out the team and he, he's as sold as ever on USC, and I don't think really anybody being recruited that that spot's going to change that for him. Uh, I think there are also two inside linebacker positions with USC's 34 defense. So you're talking about the Mike and you're talking about the Will, and the Will position is really where I see uh, John Houston developing. I think he's going to start outside playing Sam, and then if he bulks up, then they move him over to Will. So you would have Cam Smith and John Houston both playing inside for USC. With Gustin, Again, had a good tournament, especially for a guy that's, you know, in that 6'3", 6'4", range and, you know, 240 pounds playing inside linebacker. I still see him more as an outside, if not as just a jumbo athlete, that could maybe be a guy that develops into a tight end prospect. Uh, He's obviously got the athletic ability. You're talking about a guy that was top 10 nationally in the Spark Championship at the opening. Um, We see him play offense, play quarterback uh, with his high school team. He's a guy that kind of plays all over the place. And so I think while, you know, he definitely likes the Mike linebacker position, he wants to play inside, he kind of looks at himself as that. Uh, I think he's got potential in so many different positions. It's one of those things that you get him in the camp and you kind of see, okay, here's where you get on the field the quickest. And then it kind of becomes one of those things like, oh, okay, you know, maybe, maybe, I mean, if I can play tight end and I can, you know, be the second tight end in the offense as a true freshman, yeah, I might want to play tight end. So things can change a little bit. So I think that's kind of open-ended with uh, Porter Gustin. Okay, and then uh, that Folio had a follow-up about Akili Ross. Um, what are real chances with him? Because he doesn't seem thrilled about playing in the secondary. I think he's not really sold either way uh, as to where he wants to play. I do agree talking to him, kind of reading between the lines. I think he still loves the glory of scoring touchdowns and playing offense. But having said that, he's also a pretty darn good uh, defensive back. And he's actually a pretty darn good cornerback. And that's really where USC, I think, is intrigued because just these athletes that are guys that have that size at that 6'1", 6'2", range, but have the ability to play corner, that is a safety right now for USC. It's huge because they've gotten away from the big, you know, really the Sue Cravens type safeties. And that is kind of funny because, you know, we've kind of seen this little bit of a, you know, drama behind the scenes going on with Sue Cravens moving the linebacker. And is he really playing linebacker? And he doesn't want to play linebacker. If you look at what USC is doing in terms of their secondary, they're getting away from the Taylor Mazes, the Kevin Ellisons, uh, the Scott Wares, the Darnell Bings. They want guys that can cover. And that was one of the first things that Keith Hayward, the USC, USC defensive backs coach said to me, you know, early on when the when the coaching staff came to USC in January, you know, we sat down and talked with those guys, and he was saying, I want guys that can cover, period. I just want guys that can cover, and versatility is a big thing. So, kidding a guy that can play cornerback 
as a safety is huge. Getting a guy that can play safety and also play cornerback is even bigger. And that's really where Akili Ross comes in. I mean, he's a guy that has the length and the ability to play and the physicality to play safety, but also the agility and the speed to be able to play corner. So I think that's really where the intrigue is. When he came from USC, uh, really a lot of what he was talking about was defense. I, like I said, though, I, I still feel like, you know, offense is something that's kind of just, you know, it's hard to, to, to give up scoring touchdowns. But as we've seen with USC, using a Dory Jackson both ways, um, you know, that's also, you know, something that is a possibility, too. In terms of the chances that USC has with them, I think they're very, very good. I think the USC is definitely right at there at the top. I think it's USC. I think UCLA is there. And I think Notre Dame's there. I think that's really probably his unofficial top three. Oklahoma's trying to peek their head in there. But I think it's kind of going to be local, and we'll see what Notre Dame does on that official visit. That's going to kind of be a key player there uh, as time goes on, you know, later in the process for him. All right. Uh, USCOC, this was his first post on the Peristyle, was a question for the podcast, so welcome, USCOC. I wanted to, I watched a recent YouTube video of Malik Roberts, uh, Robertson. Didn't really get to see his speed, but he looked quick and agile. Hopefully he's on the road to a full recovery. And with Dominique Davis committed to Washington State, any chance USC looks to him for that speed back role? I know you stated that he was faster than a Dory pre-injury. Yeah, yeah. Malik uh, Roberson, uh, you know, a pretty little small kind of scat back type. Uh, I say small. I mean, he's 5'8", but he's probably close to under 7,580 pounds. He's, he's pretty well built. One of the faster players in Southern California and a guy that was actually on the relay team. And, yeah, he was faster than a Tory Jackson at that point in high school at Sarah. Uh, but he did have that knee injury. And, obviously, speed players coming back from those knee injuries. I mean, we've seen with D.J. Morgan at USC. Some guys can come back from it, like Adrian Peterson, and some guys can't. And so that's going to really be the biggest question about Roberson. Could he be that guy down the line? Could be. You know, not, not out of the realm of possibility. It's definitely going to take a season here uh, for him to kind of, uh, you know, prove to a lot of the college coaches, not just USC, but just in general, that he has his speed back. So that, that's really, yeah, as you mentioned, going to be the biggest thing, you know, getting healthy and, and making sure that ACL is fully repaired and he can get that step back. All right. Let's see. Man, we still got a bunch to go to, but we're going we're gonna to do it. We've got to get them all in because this is the first – podcast trojan it's the turned up i've been told i've been told several times that the podcast could be two hours and people would be okay with that they're okay with it yeah okay well we don't want to go two hours i think but we're getting closer so we're getting close to the end but we still have a whole bunch of questions too this is a great name bear secutor on the peristyle he had a couple questions um what is plan b if uh green from sarah doesn't commit Wow, what is plan B if, if, if Rasheem Green does not commit? Well, we talked a little bit about Rasheem Green and kind of, you know, where he is with uh, the recruiting process. And, you know, Stanford is definitely there. UCLA there, maybe not quite as much as, uh, you know, some of the other schools um, like uh, USC and Stanford. What's the plan B for him? I, I think, again, junior college has got to be, you know, a little bit of a, a – a, a, consideration for USC. Um, I, I don't know if there is a particular plan B, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I Gerard, think he wrote in Canton, uh, and I don't even know how to pronounce his name, uh, 
Camatuli or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, again, is that necessarily a plan B for, for the, you know, I mean, there are guys that are possibilities that, uh, you know, they could go after. I mean, Joseph Wicker is a, is a possibility, you know, 6'3", 265-pound uh, defensive end, defensive tackle from Long Beach Poly. Um, there, I mean, there are some national names out there that USC could recruit. I mean, C.C. Jefferson and, and these types, you know, Terry Beckner is a, is a, is a guy that might take an official visit to USC uh, from East St. Louis, 6'4", 270-pound defensive tackle that loves USC uh, from a childhood standpoint, but then admitted, you know, kind of leaving that far away from home seemed like he wasn't quite as enamored with that possibility as maybe he once was. Uh, does have some family still out here in uh, Southern California. So, I mean, is that a plan B for Rasheem Green? I guess. I, I, I just don't know that there's actually – a guy that's like, okay, if they don't get Rasheem Green, then this is the next guy that they get. There's some national names out there, and obviously things will sort of play out, um, but I think you know, there's not one specific name. There's a group of other guys that USC would kind of, you know, have to start recruiting and it would probably start nationally, but then have to develop somebody locally that they would feel like, you know, they were confident in that they could get, um, you know, USC was recruiting at some point, um, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now uh, because I, I took him off the, uh, the target list just not too long ago. Oh, yeah, Sakona, uh, Viamo Sakona uh, from Crespi High School, uh, who's, you know, a, a defensive tackle, 6'4", 285. Uh, but USC's really not recruiting him anymore. So that's a guy that, um, you know, could be really more of a plan B for a guy like Rasheem Green. He, he would be more of, okay, USC would have a good shot at him. They could bring him in. But, again, right now, USC's not really recruiting him. So you, that kind of shows you how confident they are with Rasheem Green. So I would say there's, you know, Rasheem Green and then there as well. If we don't get Rasheem Green, we'll scramble probably later down the line. So to be honest with you, I don't know that there's a, a specific plan B. I think really it's more about what can they – cultivate their in the junior college ranks in terms of targets that's going to be really the question because i don't see anybody there that seems like a like a really good target that they really have a great shot at right now at least somebody that's on the radar that we know about obviously they probably have a lot of names they had a junior college camp this summer and that's going to be something that you know they may have a guy that they have stashed away right now that's a junior college defensive tackle that they really like you know somewhere up north or locally that you know you know junior college ranks guys get lost sometimes uh, they could have a guy that they're zeroed in on that would be a part of that four-man class with Rushing Green. All right, let's go to Oho Gain. I think that's it's O-H-O Gain. Uh, where do we stand in the recruitment of Viamo Sakona? I hope I pronounced it. Oh, wow, name. there you go. <laughs> Great segue for rapid fire. Boom. USC is not recruiting him right now, so <laughs> they're really not in it. But, hey, if Rasheem Green happened to go somewhere else, maybe Sakona is plan B. There you go. All right. This is what the big sure I could say his name. Uh, Sock 55. He wants to know first, what are the percentages of landing USC targets? You know you want to do it. Nope, we're not doing that, Sock. Sorry. <laughs> Every guy on the board. Yeah, I know. Uh, Trent Irwin, discuss. Trent Irwin, not going to USC. USC, UCLA have passed on Trent Irwin. I don't see that changing. I don't think Trent Irwin could do anything during the season that would be any more impressive than he's done in the past that would, you know, make USC second guess. I never say never, but it doesn't seem like Trent Irwin is going to be a USC prospect. Right. I would think, you know, actually ASU is kind of there because of Brady White going to ASU, but a lot of people feel like maybe, 
you know, Brady White ends up going to Stanford and Trent Irwin goes to Stanford with him. But I don't know. I haven't been, you know, tuned into Brady White's recruitment for quite some time. And really, quite frankly, Trent Irwin's recruitment for quite some time because USC just never really seemed ready to pull the trigger on him. And I like him a lot, man. But, oh, well, I'll move on there. Missing running back and tight end targets from SAC 55. Who's to blame for that? <laughs> Who's to blame? Ryan Abraham. Blame me. No, uh, <laughs> we don't. We don't want to point the finger at specific coaches for losing running back. First of all, let's 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 just get this straight. You know, Akasendrick Ware, who is the commit to USC from Cedar Hill High School, Texas, uh, is a guy that USC really liked. I mean, they offered him after seeing him in person during the May evaluation period. They think he's a guy that could be a Bishop Shanky type guy. I mean, they. They like him. They compare him to Bishop Shanky a lot. And so I, that's not like, oh, there's another three-star guy. Oh, it's a guy that they settled on. It wasn't like USC went through this plethora of top running back recruits locally and nationally and then just came to where. Where's a guy that they took? So let's kind of get that straight. Where's a guy they like and they took? Now, there's some other guys there, like Malik Levette, who's a local guy, who is, you know, maybe a little faster than where, but roughly similar kind of combo back, you know, 5'11", 200 pounds, uh, in that same range as where that is just, just really hasn't been a guy that's kind of um, – been been open to being recruited by the local schools from what I understand. I mean, Cal got him at least to show up to their camp. He just observed the camp, but he didn't go to USC during the summer. He hasn't taken any official visits during the summer. He doesn't answer phone calls. Uh, I've just heard just from just, you know, in general people locally, he just refuses to be recruited. So, you know, what happens after the season? Maybe he's he's open and he becomes USC's second running back uh, commitment. That's very possible still. Uh, but right now it seems like he's just not really interested in being recruited by USC uh, or UCLA or, or some other schools. And I would say Cal and probably Notre Dame seem like they have a better shot at him. Uh, there are other national names. Dexter Williams is a guy that we talked about from Winter Garden, Florida, a guy that was at the opening who – and I don't even know how I came about – wanting to interview him, I think I just saw him and remembered, yeah, Dexter Williams, that's the guy that has an offer from USC. And I went up to him and said, hey, Dexter, Gerard Martinez, uh, scout.com, just wanted to ask you, what's, uh, what's going on with USC? I mean, I, I know they offered you a while back. Any interest in USC right now? I know you're committed to Miami. You know, you still thinking of taking visits maybe? USC be one of those schools? I love USC, he says. I love USC, and he went on about USC and how he wants to get out to USC, going to take an official visit for sure. I mean, the way he talked, you would think that USC was really in it with him. Now, we'll see when push comes to shove. He's got to get away from home. He's never been to Los Angeles. But he was enamored with USC and really talked about USC uh, from a standpoint of somebody who's followed USC kind of growing up. So that's a possibility. Ronald Jones II is a guy that USC offered way early, committed to Oklahoma State early. There's a possible guy that might still take official visits, ended up you know, taking official visits to USC. And obviously we talked about Dominic Davis, the Alamany running back. We've talked about a few guys. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. With, with running back, I don't think you can point the finger and say they've 
totally missed on a bunch of running backs and running back position is not going to be a solid one in the class going for two in the 2015 class. I think it's just one of those things that USD took a guy early that they like that maybe a lot of other people don't like, but they like, and then it's going to be, okay, who's that other guy? It may be somebody that decommits from another school. Maybe it's a guy like Malik Lavette who just doesn't seem interested in being recruited right now. Uh, with the tight end position, you know what? Like I said, not a really deep position this year. And so that has a lot to do with it. Um, Tyler Petit, that was a shocking one. I, I guarantee you right now, that was the first real shocker for Steve Sarkeesian at USC. And quite frankly, one of the more surprising misses in the last four or five years, uh, in my opinion. I mean, I had talked to Tyler Petit when he was going to the Rising Stars camp, and we had talked about USC and him committing to USC, and he gave me reasons he was committing to USC. And then between that point, that, I don't know, Saturday, and the Wednesday he actually committed, he decided he was going to go to Duke instead. And so that was definitely a shocker. Um, but, again, you know, pointing fingers, how many guys have they missed on? Well, you know, how many guys that they really have a shot at and how many were really good prospects because it's really not a good class in general for tight ends. So I wouldn't necessarily point fingers so much as I would look at kind of what's happening and, uh, and what can still happen here as we get, you know, beyond the season and get into January. All right, he had one other comment. Why didn't Gerald make the move over to Scout? That's like Hayes going to the league with Pollard staying in school. <laughs> we haven't really got into the whole thing about moving from other networks, and that's probably a, a, a message board post or a story. Or There's some explanation as to probably you know what's gone on over the past couple months and uh, kind of cluing people in, but I don't know if that's, this is the time or the place considering that you know, we've probably gone over time already. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that, the whole move and everything. It's been crazy. We do appreciate everyone coming over. And, and, and there's a FAQ on the front page of uscfootball.com. If you have any questions about your subscription, because we did move, you know, 13 years at Rivals, now we're at Scout. We're really excited about the future there. So uh, thanks for coming over with us and, and checking it out. Hopefully you do. And they got a special on there right now. If you sign up for any subscription, if you're new to Scout, New to uscfootball.com on Scout. Any subscription, if you sign up for a month, six months, or a year, they will add 60 days to it. So it's limited time. So if you go in there, you can buy one month, 10 bucks, and you can get the whole season basically free. They'll add two months. And if you do a year subscription, they'll add two months onto it, all that stuff. So it's pretty cool. Uh, check it out on scout.com, usc.scout.com, uscfootball.com. All right, we've got a couple more to get to. Uh, Seraph had a, a silent commit question, but we kind of discussed that already. So thanks for writing that one in. Uh, J.H. Trojan wanted to know, he's looking at the old scholarship distribution chart, and we have another one coming up on Scout now, so don't worry about that. Um, and there's one on, on the uh, Fall Camp Central page, too. But well, I'm going to tweak one and, and get it out there. He says, the team has 60 freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. Let's say four to five juniors leave at most, and the team takes 24 players in 2015. It looks like USC could still be around 80 players on scholarship next year. Considering where the numbers have been the last three years, this sounds too good to be true. Am I missing something? And, uh, Gerard, I'll take this one if that's okay. There's actually on the team right now, uh, J.H. Trojan, 68 recruited scholarship players. So there's not 72. One of them, I guess you could argue, is somewhat recruited. It's the the blue shirt kicker, uh, Boremeister, or whatever the heck his name is. I just call him blue shirt. (laughs) I like to do that. Um, so, but so, so we're going to go with the 68 to start. The 68 players that were recruited to come into USC going to lose 12 seniors. That's down to 56. Now, two of those, there's two more walk-ons that are juniors 
that you could say would continue on scholarship. You know, are they? Are you really going to consider them scholarship guys because they weren't? You know, they were walk-on guys. Um, and the blue shirt kicker. So that would be three more. Let's say that's fifty-nine. You can bring in twenty-four new guys, and you know that'll give you to eighty-three. So that's actually pretty good. They cannot physically get back to eighty-five no matter what they do, but you can get to eighty-three if nobody leaves. But like you said, most likely four or five juniors leave. It could be even more than that. There could be a bunch of guys leaving. Um, but you know that could still put you in the the high seventies. Now I think the blue shirt kicker, I think he counts. Like he's basically, he wasn't technically recruited because they couldn't blue shirt him if he was recruited, but he's, he's a recruited at like, he was a guy they wanted. I'll give you him as a recruited athlete. So, uh, you know, that we'll put him in there, but two of those guys are former walk-ons. Um, Ryan Dillard, who was recruited by other people, just not USC and George Katrib. So, uh, the wide receiver. So, I mean, Technically, my guess is going to be it's going to be closer to 75 than 85 when it's all said and done as far as attrition and all that kind of stuff goes. So to me, it's going to take the class of 2016 to kind of get back up there closer to 85. But I think the numbers are going to be good. It's not going to be 75 like it's 75 now where it's you can have 75 and you really have 68. It's going to be like 75 and you actually have that many on the roster. And, and then you'll have some room to grow for the class of 2016. So that's kind of my take on it. I don't know, Gerard, if you have any other different takes. No, that sounds you know very accurate, and I think uh, that's the kind of information that you get here You know, because we're paying attention to the details, and you have to go to fall camp, and you have to be there at practice, and you have to kind of understand the nuance between the guys that are walk-ons and the guys that are scholarship players and the guys that uh, you know were walk-ons and are now scholarship players and you know, that's been the tough thing for USC trying to, you know, develop guys that uh, could come on as walk-ons and then, you know, end up getting scholarships. And a guy like Ryan Dillard, like you said, you know, had a couple scholarships from lower level schools. I think Air Force was maybe in there as a Division One school. Um, but a guy that, you know, came through that, you know, he could be playing, you know, Division One football maybe somewhere. And so, you know, that's a guy that can obviously contribute to the team, uh, especially with special teams. Uh, but uh, USC still a little bit of ways as far as, you know, having a real too deep at every position and, and going back to, uh, you know, the Pete Carroll days, obviously, where you were had, you know, <laughs> multiple, you know, four, four star, five star guys at single positions. I mean, obviously, with the tight end position this year, you know, that's going to be one of those years that you go, wow, that's where sanctions just killed you. Because, I mean, you've got really, you've got three guys on scholarship, but you're only going to have two guys available this year because uh, Jalen Cole Fitzpatrick is going to be ineligible academically. All right, uh, Running Fig and Alamo had a couple questions. They're all 2016, so we're going to have to save those for next time. So I'm sorry about that, but I will save those in there. And the next podcast we do next week, we'll, we'll bring those up with Gerard. Um, da- there's two more that I want to get to. Davey64, best West Coast prospects you've seen this summer and any of them USC targets. Wow, that's just a – geez, that's a – man, have to think about that question. Are you gonna, I'm going to um, let you know two. Yeah. You can only give me your two best. My two best. Yeah. Um, well, Imam Marshall, yeah, number one. Boom. Number one. Yeah, he's a USC uh, target, this, obviously. Yeah, not even – and obviously a very big USC target. Um, but, yeah, not probably number one. And I don't know if, if number two is really close to him um, just because, first and foremost, he's a guy that's been uh, a top player for a long time. And I think when you're a top player and you consistently, routinely – prove that at national camps and everywhere else and never really have a bad camp, but really show up and step up 
at, at the national level. I, I just I, – I, a lot of value in that. I mean, there's a thing called uh, paralysis by overanalysis. And a guy like Iman Marshall, you can obviously look at and start to pick apart things in his game because you've seen him so many times. You know, it's just like walking in, you know, to the, to the cathedral and you look at the top of the roof and, you know, there's this beautiful mural. And you're, and you're looking at the mural and, you know, you walk in there and every time you go, oh, the beautiful mural. And, and then, you know, your hundredth time walking in there – start to focus on that one missing tile more and more. And that's what you can kind of sort of do with recruits. But a guy like Amon Marshall uh, has just been, just been so good. And he just, there's just, there's not a lot of flaws in his game. I would say the second guy, man, it'd probably be between Osa Messina and probably John Houston. Um, I, I, I love Osa Messina as a linebacker uh, recruit, you know, 6'4", 240, almost 250 pounds, so agile, great balance, great instincts, doesn't really play uh, the linebacker position very much in camps, but this year he, he really stepped back and decided to do that and uh, was tremendous and, and a real hybrid player that, you know, you could play really, I think, at all four spots at the linebacker position. And I think with John Houston, kind of similar, you know, I think John Houston, what I like about him so much is he's so smart. Um, there was a play there in Baltimore at the, the five-star challenge where it was Christian Kurt who's killing everybody early in, in, in the, in the tournament. And uh, he was uh, coming out of the backfield, ran a real, you know, run a lot of, uh, you know, quick flats, quick outs in the flats and was catching the ball, moving the ball. And then he decided, you know, he's going to run a wheel route, a, a wheel route. And, you know, John Houston kind of just, he, he sized it up. He, he read the route really well. And instead of biting up on it, I mean, he had enough speed to get out, you know, to get out there on the out route, but then enough awareness to see, oh, he's going to turn this sucker up. I got to get my angle. And so instead of kind of, you know, running up on him, he took the angle back to the sideline and made a play on the ball. And I was like, that is, that right there encompasses everything I love about John Houston. Athletic enough to be able to cover Christian Kurt out there in the flat, but then smart enough and instinctual enough to be able to see him cut it up and get over the top on it. So uh, those would probably be my two and a half, three guys that uh, probably the most impressive West Coast recruits I've seen uh, you know, this offseason. All right. I think we're at the hour mark, but we do have one left, and it's international, so we got to get to it. Jed uh, Warsden, uh, Warsden. Wardson, I think that's how you say his name, uh, from South Korea. He said, what are some of the names that we aren't hearing that USC might be involved in as some Plan B guys? I know we talked about some Plan B guys, but maybe throw a couple names out there for Jed or James. Man, we're, we're not hearing about. Okay. <laughs> well, we're not, we're not hearing about. Uh, and then just should be silent. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, you know, Quentin Meeks is an interesting guy still in the defensive back. I think the defensive back position, because it's so deep, is the one that is the most intriguing to me in terms of kind of off-the-radar guys. I mean, maybe things don't work out with Akili Ross. Maybe, you know, something happens with Marvell Tell, you know, the, the safety from Crespi, and he ends up going to UCLA because I think right now it's UCLA and USC. UCLA can have a great year this year, and, you know, maybe USC loses a couple guys to him. So, I think it's really kind of how does that defensive back position develop? Um, you know, not hearing about a guy like Quentin Meeks, whose dad, you know, coached 21 years in the NFL. He's a six foot, 180 pound uh, defensive back receiver, cornerback. Uh, that a guy that we've seen. Conyel Samuel is a guy at Long Beach Poly that just transferred over from Alamany, who's a good six one, 180 pound uh, prospect. He's kind of a corner, maybe could play a little safety too. Philip Alfia, six uh, one, 200 pounds, really built more like a linebacker. He's one of those guys that I think. From a safety standpoint, USC's kind of going away from, 
but still a really good player, a guy that I think is probably going to end up going to like Oregon State and just being a guy that's like, why didn't USC recruit him? <laughs> that's the kind of guy that Philadelphia I think is. Um, you know, there's there's quite a few guys like that. A guy that you know committed early to Washington State, Cameron Powell, who USC really liked when they were at Washington. Justin Wilcox really had a good relationship with him. Hadn't recruited him as much uh, at USC, but again, kind of more of that. I think what USC wants to have is safety, 5'11", 180 pounds, fast, very good in coverage, very aggressive. He's a good player that, uh, you know, maybe USC looks at down the line. So, you know, I think with defensive back, that's really where it's deep, and you kind of have some guys that, you know, maybe off the radar players that USC uh, might recruit down the line. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's other positions. You know, at running back, there's probably some guys there that, you know, maybe – develop over the course of the season, certainly tight end. USC hopes that there are some players that develop during the season that they, they can recruit, you know, during their senior years. All right, Gerard, great stuff on the Turned Up SC Recruiting Podcast. The first one we've done, it's basically like the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast we did before. We just give it a little different name. We're going to put it on Thursday. So what's the goal, Gerard? Are we going to try to do it every Thursday? We can try, at least when recruiting is, uh, you know, important and, and people want to know about it. Obviously, there's going to be stretches during the year where just not much is happening. But I think with this staff, I think what we're going to see return to USC are official visits during the year. That's not for sure yet, but talk to quite a few recruits. And they're talking to the coaching staff about coming in in October, maybe coming in, uh, you know, late September. So it sounds like USC may be hosting some official visits uh, during the year. So, uh, you know, when, it, when, it's, uh, when it's valuable and, and we definitely think that uh, it's worth uh, having a, a podcast, uh, we'll get turned up, man. Sounds good. Turned up SC Recruiting Podcast. He's Gerard Martinez at GMart Live. USCfootball.com National Recruiting Analyst. I'm Ryan Abraham, your host and publisher of USCfootball.com. Follow me on Inside Troy. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. We will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by USCfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.